Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to Natural 20-somethings, an audio program detailing and discussing the danger, depth, difficulties, diversions, dice, decadence, and drama of D&D. We're ever so pleased you're here. friends and welcome to Natural 20-somethings. I am Laurel. And I'm Olivia. In this episode, we're going to be discussing what we feel makes a quote-unquote good character for D&D, specifically through the lens of storytelling. The Player's Handbook has this to say about character creation. Your character is a combination of game statistics, role-playing hooks, and your imagination. You also invent the personality, appearance, and backstory of your character. Think about the kind of adventurer you want to play. Your conception of your character might evolve with each choice you make. What's important is that you come to the table with a character you are excited to play. So, for the purpose of this discussion, Olivia, what do you feel like makes a quote-unquote good character as it applies to the context of D&D? When you distill it down to the most basic part, I think it's really what it says. Someone you're excited to play with. Mm-hmm. It's it's a character that you are excited to bring to the table. But, you know, if we want to get into the weeds, which we do. <laughs> That's what we're here to do. Dig into the weeds, man. That is exactly what we're here to do. Um, I think a truly good character, all of the good characters I have played, played with, seen, are the ones who know why. They know their motivation. They know why they're adventuring. I think the number one one thing for me is like, okay, if you're creating a character, backstory is good and all. Why are you there? Why are you risking your life to go out on some <laughs> really, really, really dangerous adventure? Exactly. I agree wholeheartedly. And this comes into, you know, like writing a good character as well, is they have to want something. If your character doesn't want anything, there is nothing driving them to make a choice. And that's D&D is a series of, of choices. <laughs> And problems to solve and decisions to make. And if your character has no reason to decide, then it's going to be very hard to get them to do anything. Yeah, and that is sort of why I think there are so many characters with tragic backstories. You know? <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> you know this about me. It makes a good reason why. I well, I I mean, I'm just as guilty of it as you are. <laughs> yeah, no. I am a tragic backstory whore through and through. Like, that is who I am. Same. I love it. I love it so much. Let's make t-shirts that say sluts for tragedy. (laughs) Just tragedy slut. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. It's like those baby slut shirts that I really want. (laughs) Tragedy slut in the, like, pink and purple neon font. Yeah, yeah. In the hot pink glittery. Yeah. But it really is so good at giving your character a reason why. It gets down to it. Because when you think about it, like, what sane, happy person is going to go off adventuring just for fun? Nobody's sane, certainly. <laughs> right. I mean, you might have, you know, your, like, eat, pray, love kind of bitch, but, you know. <laughs> I, the idea of eat, praying, and loving your way around <laughs> adventure is so funny to me. But that's a reason why, right? Like, that is something that people can latch on to. Yeah. And and speaking from personal experience as well, like, I, I at one point was like, I'm going to break the mold. I'm going to make a character that's, you know, doesn't have a tragic backstory. <laughs> what I wound up with was a character that was impossible for me to play. Because it was like, what does he want? I don't know. Just to exist, just to experience the world. Okay, but that's like, that. it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for him to, for me to feel like I understood why he was doing what he was doing and making the decision 
decisions that he was making. It just like did not function for me. And I found a way to get around that and rework his character to give him a motivation. But <laughs> the tragic backstory of like, I'm avenging my dead parents just really, it's so easy to, to look to. And it's great material too. Yeah. And if you play your cards right, a DM will use it and use it well. I agree. And I think that I'm, I'm kind of curious to talk about this in the context of like, quote unquote, joke characters as well. Mm. Because like, they're, they're, I don't have a lot of people who bring like a joke character named like Thoughty McThoughterson to the table or whatever. That doesn't happen to me often, but it is a very popular thing to do in D&D. And so I'm curious, like, I don't, I don't know if this is completely <laughs> derailing the train of thought, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on like. Yeah, no, that is an interesting question, too, because, you know, I think the big thing about joke characters is what do they want? And, you know, normally if you bring a joke character to the table, they'll end up being the character, if you see them through, they'll end up being the character with the most poignant, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching stories ever, at least in my experience. They definitely can be. There's that potential there. And I think part of that comes from the character's ability to change and to grow and adapt, which I think is kind of, I would say, my second prong of, like, what makes a good character. I think, number one, motivation slash want or desire you have to have one of those number two the ability to change and to adapt and to you know respond to situations and become something different from what you were if you start off the game as thoughty mcthotterson paladin of sexiness like you have a much bigger arc that you can explore as a character than you know the guy that comes in with <laughs> his guy's name, like doomy mcdoomerson paladin of gloom oh my god <laughs> That's also a joke character, so maybe that's a bad example. But yeah, there's a lot more room for that kind of character to change. Yeah, but that doesn't mean characters can't change. And yeah, I agree with you completely in that, you know, big number one, motivation. Big number two, growth. Because that's why we're in we're playing D&D, right? We want that character development. I would hope so. It's what I crave. <laughs> Yeah, I really agree with the, uh, you know, wrongs that you have presented so far. You know, there's the motivation, there's the growth. Um, I think the third one really, those are very inward facing. I think the third one is very outward facing, at least for me. It's how do I function as a team player? Mm, yeah. And I don't necessarily mean your character. Your character doesn't have to be a team player, but they're forced to work in a team if you are playing D&D. Yeah. And so that can be a really interesting character choice, but how are you the player helping to cooperate with the story itself? Yeah. I love that. I love that a lot. I, that is not something that would have even crossed my mind as far as like character goes, but you're absolutely 100% correct. Your character, to be a good character for D&D, has to, in some fashion, as manipulated by you, be willing to be part of a team. Not necessarily willing. That's kind of the wrong word. But they have to work as a member of a team and they have to enhance that team, I would say. In the sense of like, you know, if you're the the ranger sitting in the corner who's, you know, antisocial, doesn't talk to anybody. Stereotypical like, I'm the guy. Like, fuck off. Aragorn in the corner. Yeah, well, Aragorn is a team player, though. So like, right, if you're going to play That's... a ranger, play Aragorn. Yep. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like nobody wants to play with a guy that doesn't want to play with them. Right. It's not it's not fun. And I think share your toys. 
You're in a sandbox. Let somebody use the shovel. Like, I don't understand. A hundred percent. Or at least be willing to lend your shovel to other people. And I think, like, I don't know. I've, I mean, I've played characters that are not, you know, a hundred percent down to clown with, like, being a member of a party. But I, as a player, am very committed to having a functioning team. And <laughs> the character I'm specifically thinking of has become the, the party dad of that party. He's in charge of everyone. And I'm like, how did this happen? He doesn't want friends. Right. But he does, though. But he does, though. But that that's the thing, right? You have that hidden motivation there. The desire for, you know, some sort of connection with the team players. And your character is allowed to change and shift. That doesn't mean you're going against your character necessarily. But, you know... They can shift as the party needs. They should. You should be responding. That's the big thing. That's the big difference. Because if you want to have your character who's like alone in the corner, write a book. Yeah. <laughs> Just please. Because you, at the end of the day, if you're playing D&D, you're here to play with other people and play nice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think I'm happy with this This three three-step definition here of a good character is motivated, capable of growth, and a team player. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. So with our uh, trident of good character in hand. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. How does playing a good character, as we've defined, help to enhance the game? How does it enhance the story even? I think we sort of began to touch on this in talking about like prong three of the trident in being a team player. Like if you are someone who is coming to the table with a character who wants something, you're going to be motivated to make choices at that table and move the campaign forward. If you are someone who is coming with a character that is capable of growth, you are going to be changing and adapting and willing to make and mold your character into what they need to be in order to make the game and the story better. And if you're someone who's willing to come in with a character that is a team player, that just makes everyone's experience at the table like 100% more pleasant. Like, if if nothing else, it is a joy to have a cooperative player and a cooperative character at the table. Right. And those don't have to go together necessarily, but you absolutely have to be a cooperative player. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. I, and I think I think that's an important distinction to make, which we, we have, but to reiterate. <laughs> it really needs reiterating, I think. Your character does not have to want to be a member of the party, but you as a player have to be willing to keep them there mm-hmm. and be contributing to whatever that party is trying to accomplish, not walking away, not going off on your own, not like, oh, well, my character, you know, has to go reclaim his homeland. I'm going to 180 and walk out of the campaign like, okay, bye. Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. And I think moving the character along and moving the story along and playing the game, there's a risk of, you know, people thinking that we like railroading, but that's not it. You know, it's really about cooperating with the story and fight and knowing when to fight it. Um, Yeah. And knowing where that line is. Because it's hard. It's hard to tell and it's hard to get that balance. But if you have a good character, that makes your life so much easier. Absolutely. I think on the topic of railroading as well, like, I think I think that that word gets tossed around way more than it should. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, I don't know, there might be DMs who are a lot more controlling than those that I have very fortunately been playing with. But, like, your character 
is part of the world and is part of a story that someone is has set up for you. And there there is a, a balance and a trust that needs to be struck between a DM honoring your agency as a player and as a character within the narrative that they have constructed, and also you as a player and a character honoring and respecting the story that the DM has made for you. Like, that is a two-way street, 100%. And I think we talk about it <laughs> as though it's not. But guess what, baby? You can drive a train either direction on the railroad. Okay. I know. I love trains, Olivia. <laughs> um, yeah, the DM is a member of the table, too. And a good character will be good for your DM as well. So with that in mind, how do we create a good character? <sighs> The, the age-old question. I feel like <laughs> sorry, the image that just... Neanderthal sat around a campfire making D&D characters, yeah. I mean, kind of, yeah. The image that my brain supplied me was the, like, the, like, stereotype that you see in, like, the Sunday comic book papers of, like, the guru at the top of the mountain. And it's like, <laughs> you, you hike to the mountain, you're like, oh, oh, elder, give me your wisdom. I am by no means... <laughs> the elder who can provide wisdom but i do have things to say about characters i think this is it's a tough question to answer because i think that the process itself looks different for everyone like i don't know how anyone else besides myself sits down to actually go about making a character mm -hmm. but i think being mindful of explicitly what what do they want and i know that that has been like the the bell that we've rung <laughs> this entire episode but it's true what does your character want what has happened to them in their past that drives them well okay so i would like to propose making okay either we make it a fork or this is like the staff of the trident i don't know where this metaphor is Ooh, okay i don't i don't want a fork i want a trident so let's make it the staff okay a trident the pillar that this trident rests upon is what kind of character are you going to enjoy playing with all of the things that we've talked about before motivation growth cooperation but i really think it does circle back to what are you going to have the most fun playing yeah absolutely what what gets you excited what gets you excited to show other people because that's the other thing right where you're just like okay i made this thing this thing seems amazing i want to see how it grows and changes here have fun you're giving a gift to other players by bringing a character to the table and so having that in mind going okay what am i excited about doing go into your wish fulfillment yeah right yeah what do you want to do like you can do and be anything in D. &D. what do you want what do you want is the other question. <laughs> Have it your way. It's the Burger King of, of, of mm -hmm. role play games. <laughs> yeah. I agree completely. And there's that, that idea that excitement and passion is infectious. Like, if this is a character that, that lights you up, that you talk about them or think about them, and you're just like, <laughs> I'm so excited. I love them. I can't wait to play them. That's enough. Like, that, that will bring an energy to the table that will facilitate everything else that we've talked about. C-R-E-E-C-H-U-R, -E -E Creature Corner. You have brought the creature, so I think you should present. I shall bring the creature. I shall present my creature. Present the creature. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay, creature presentation commencing. 
Uh, for Creature Corner, we have uh, the lovely Dretch. Uh, this is a quote from the Forgotten Realms wiki entry. Dretches stood four feet tall and weighed 60 pounds, their squat, rounded bodies heavily contrasting their gaunt, emaciated limbs. Their skin was pale and rubbery, ranging in color from white, beige, and blue, and sparsely covered by bristly hairs as well as pulsing varicose veins. The eyes of a dretch were slanted downwards, their noses seemed squashed, and their exposed ears were pointed and lopped. There were many small fangs inside their slobbery slack mouths, and a pair of claws hung off their hands. And this is a, this is a quote from Volo. <laughs> I just thought was hilarious. Although I believe that evil spawned from the abyss is unworthy of pity, I must confess that I can't help but feel a pang of sorrow for the dretch. Absolutely fabulous. And for the listeners at home, we'll put a link in the description to the image of this guy. But also, it mostly just looks like a pug mixed with an eight that has been sharpened. Yes. That is a great description. It's also green. So mm-hmm. <laughs> take that for what you will. Uh, what are your first impressions of the Dretch, Olivia? Um, I'm with Volo here. It's just kind of sad. It is kind of sad. I think he, he has a an air about him. A, a sort of like, like he can't close his mouth is almost how I feel. It's as though he, he is looking upon the world with a, a, a nose full of snot and he can only breathe through his mouth and that that is truly truly pitiable i i agree on that front yeah they just they have a big eeyore energy about them. <laughs> dark eeyore abyssal eeyore <laughs> correct Oh, you're not wrong, honestly. If he was down on all fours and had like a little button tail, he would be Abyssal Eeyore. What are, what are the, the vibe checks here? I mean, I do think that Abyssal Eeyore is very much a vibe. But if you were going to vibe check this thing, what would how would it pass? Um, well, it wouldn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, um, it wouldn't in like the most polite way possible. <laughs> but not because... You know, the vibes aren't rancid here, right? They're not yeah. bad. They're not, like, bad in the, like, you know, don't want to come near them. It's just, like, it's just one of those people where you're just like, oh, you invited them. Like, there's no good reason why you don't like them, <laughs> you know? But it's just, like, something about their energy just brings the whole room down and they exhaust you. And that's the that's the vibe. Absolutely. He is the party pooper. Mm-hmm. But not but not on purpose, you know? It's not, it's not the person who gets too drunk and you know does everything like it's not of their own volition it's just you know the pig pen cloud of negative energy (laughs) pig pen eeyore this guy is just like sad childhood cartoon character energy also dretch sounds like wretch so. I, I do think that's intentional. I here's a here's a question. Do you think that Dretches named themselves? Oh God, no! This thing never named anything. Do you think Volo gave them the name Dretch? Yeah, for sure. That just seems mean. I mean, he's not wrong, but Mm-mm. I don't think these guys could muster up the energy to name themselves. <laughs> Just, they're too snotty. They got too much snot to bother naming themselves. Uh, are there any circumstances under which you would hang out with one? Maybe if I was trying to take them to the therapist. <laughs> this is an intervention. <laughs> yeah, right? Be like, I know you're going through a rough time. I think you should really see someone. <laughs> I think you should take your sharp, pointy pug body to the ear, nose, and throat doctor. <laughs> Here's a card for the ENT. Yeah, you need to get your sinuses flushed, my guy. <laughs> How about you? I don't know. I kind of dig the vibe. I kind of like, I found this image and I just was like, yeah, sometimes I feel like that. 
I just like the same. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to call myself the party pooper, but I absolutely am. Like, that's a hundred percent. I am that person at the party that's like, I don't, I don't really want to be here. I don't know why I came. And that's why I don't go to parties. <laughs> I'll throw a party for me in the dretch and we'll have a great time uh, blowing our noses together. Roll for backstory. Random character generator. Time to make a character. Like I don't do this every weekend. (laughs) Like I'm not constantly engaged in this addictive activity. I got out my special gemstone D100s, and so I want to roll. Perfect. Do the rolling. What are we rolling for first? Um, race. Cool. Hit me with it. 58. 58. Ooh, we have a Kenku. Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. We ready for class? I'm ready for class. 88. 88. Some eights going. Sorcerer. Ooh. Ooh, a Kenku sorcerer? That's exciting. For the background table, we'll be using one created by Reddit user Laika, L-A-I-I-K-A. 19. 19. <laughs> Water Davian noble. <laughs> Woo! Okay, so we have a Kenku sorcerer who's a Water Davian noble. Indeed. This is fascinating. Okay, my first instinct is to make them a uh, draconic sorcerer. <laughs> it's a Kenku with dragon bloodline? Exactly. Um, I think, you know, I like the idea of them, like, being part of this, like, Kenku noble family and then, like, one day turning around and just, like, yelling at one of their siblings and it's just fire. <laughs> Sudden manifestation. Wait, no. Oh, I've got it. Ooh. They ran into a dragon in Waterdeep and it spoke and there were flames. And suddenly when it imitated the dragon, <gasps> it could breathe fire. Yes. No, I love that. It's the imitation that gives the Kenku their sorceress origin. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's beautiful. I love that. Okay. So in the sense of like this individual going adventuring, I think that what immediately springs to my mind is like the idea that they were sort of shunned from their noble family for this sudden ability that has been manifested and they need to sort of like skedaddle on out of there to find somewhere safe to be. I like it. I also like the idea of like them going off and trying to find more dragons so that they can imitate different <laughs> dragon breaths. Their goal is to collect all of the dragon. They can just become exactly. a chromatic dragon. They're a Pokemon trainer. <gasps> Except a, like Pokemon voice trainer. What is that? Like Ursula, but Pokemon. Yes. Can we name this Kenku Ursula? Yes. Duh. (laughs) She's my favorite now. Beautiful. Ursula the Kenku Dragon Sorcerer. It's too good. It's too perfect. I love it. And we have a character. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, done. (laughs) I think that's it. That's it. Beautiful. Just amazing. Phenomenal. We did a fam. I was going to high five you, but you are on the other side of the country. Olivia, what have you brought to Inspiration Show and Tell this week? I love how it's show and tell. It 
feels appropriate. It really does. What inspired me this week, actually, um, I was playing a Curse of Strahd game with one of my very best friends who is DMing, and she is one of those people who doesn't enjoy DMing. That's not a thing that she really likes, but she is committed to DMing this for us, for this group of people, which is just, you know, that's inspiration in itself. But particularly, I really, really, really admired and kind of want to shout out how well she ran a really long involved combat like it was absolutely a nightmare there were like 50 plus characters on the board and you know she really really committed to honoring the dice and honoring the characters as best she could while making it easier on us and it was still really difficult you could tell she was struggling a lot but I was so inspired by how committed she was to making sure that we had a good time and that we were that this combat went that way that it needed to and it was like four hours long but she did it and she sat down and I really admire her for it and so that inspired me this week excellent I love it thank you dear listener for lending your ears may the stories you tell be grand and humble in equal measure may the characters you meet be brimming with adventure and may the chances you take lead to some natural 20s 